I got a smile, everybody, please, smile. Waste of time, if you haven't taken a light, really. It's all right. This Olympus is completely automatic. It works out the light, and you just click the shutter. Oh, it's okay for snaps, but just you try and enlarge them. You see, the trouble with these small cameras is the lens. No problem. There's a Seiko lens. They use it on the Olympus OM-1, one of the best cameras in the world. Well, I suppose they're all right for you boys, but you wouldn't get a professional using one. Do you know who that is? Who? David Bailey. David Bailey? Who's he? The Olympus Trip. So simple, anyone can use it. Uh, you'll be lucky. Sorry? Olympus Trip AF. Uh, couldn't snap twigs. If you want to get on in this game, get yourself a complicated camera. No point. This does the lot. Yeah. Automatic focus. Sure. Automatic exposure. Uh, Even tells you if you need a flash. No, too simple, son. Too simple by heart. David Bailey, James Hunt, Phil Daniels, George Cole, among others there, making the point that photography is not about expensive or complicated cameras. A point made through his advertisements for Olympus throughout the 1970s and 1980s. It's 2022 and the same point still needs to be made, it would appear. Oh, and welcome to this week's A Photographic Life. In the last week, I've seen a portrait taken by a female photographer, an academic of a female politician. Not a female politician I've got any time for, I have to say. And I think that that choice of subject matter may in some way have riled up the world of social media against the photograph. But it was such a, such a shame and so sad to see so many, I have to say, particularly male photographers making points about the picture which were just so ignorant around the ideas of creativity and what photography could be. The photographer had made decisions in how the sitter was seated and the kind of backdrop that was used. All those kind of thought processes that any portrait photographer goes through when they're making an image. They'd made those decisions and they'd made the image. And obviously they stand by that. But the reasons for the criticism were just so naive. It made me think that it was time once again to remember the Ten Commandments of Art by the painter and artist Norman Rabin. They are these. Number one, inspiration does not last. Stop in time. Number two, forget your likes and dislikes. Number three, if it is not difficult, it is not worthwhile. Number four, you must be completely discouraged before you can progress. Number five, never examine your reason for painting. The answer can only be found in your work by others. Number six, never paint with your mind. Never paint with your feelings. Paint and draw only what your eye wants. Number seven, don't be an art critic before you're an artist. Number eight, it's better to be stupid than phony. Number nine, say one thing, but make the most of it. And number ten, never worry how it looks. 
This week, we welcome to the podcast to explain to us what photography means to him in less than five minutes, Ian Brown, who is an award-winning photographer whose work focuses on the human condition. Brown grew up dividing his time between the urban landscape and time in the highlands of northern Ontario. He survived cancer at the age of 19, a heart attack at age 32, and being shot at in the middle of a civil war in Colombia while on assignment for Doctors Without Borders, documenting conditions in the remote Darien jungle region, a body of work that later went on to become the international exhibition Lost Between River and Sky. His work includes projects documenting HIV survivors in Malawi, Africa, a continuing documentary series on the opioid epidemic in America, and a long-term study on the urban anthropology of Detroit. This project, Prairie and Pavement, was one of the featured exhibitions at the 2014 Scotiabank Photography Festival in Toronto. For his major portrait body of work, American Dreams, Brown travelled over 80,000 miles and to all 50 states of America over the course of 12 years, photographing people and asking them to write down in their own handwriting their ideas on America and the concept of the American Dream. It was published through an imprint of Random House in September 2020. Brown's work has been featured in the New York Times, The Guardian, Washington Post and various international publications. He now divides his time between Toronto and a cabin outside the Algonquin Park in Canada. What does photography mean to me? Well, when I think of that question, I think of two things that come to mind. One is the notion of presence and the other is the idea of witness. You know, when I was a kid, my grandfather had a old twin lens reflex camera. It was a Ricoflex. And I can remember on many occasions watching him pop open the back of the camera, load a roll of 120 film then take his light meter and depending on where we were, what he was making photographs of, uh, you know, make some careful adjustments and then click the shutter. It was something that was uh, magical and mysterious. And the idea that you could press a button and capture a moment in time seemed like a really fascinating thing to me as a kid. As time went on and I started making photographs myself, that still simple idea of clicking a button, depressing the shutter and capturing a moment still holds a huge amount of wonder and magic to me. It really is quite an incredible thing to be able to capture a moment in time. And in doing so, what I've learned, and at least what I believe, is that the gift that comes from that is the fact that you are present in what you're doing. So photography, I think, offers the opportunity to really be 
aware of where you are and what you're doing. It forces you to be uh, fully present in the moment, which particularly in this day and age when we're all so busy and there's so many distractions, um, that is a really treasured thing to, to have. The other thing I mentioned was the idea of witness. In 2000, I was commissioned by Doctors Without Borders, Médecins Sans Frontières, to go to Colombia to photograph a project there. Uh, they were undertaking a vaccination campaign up in the northern part of Colombia, along the border of Panama, in the area known as the Darien Gap. At the time, it was the most dangerous area in Colombia. And Colombia at the time was one of the most dangerous countries in the world. The conflict that was taking place between guerrilla and paramilitary was going on deep in a remote area of jungle wilderness. It was devastating for the indigenous communities who were there. There was a lot of killing and a lot of displaced people. And so we were one of the only outsiders who were able to get access and be there to witness what was actually taking place. It was a really intense experience and all the more so because it was shrouded in this jungle wilderness where information was hard to come by and there was a lot of uh, fear and devastation. And I realized the project was significant in the sense that we were really the only ones who were uh, bearing witness to what was actually happening. What that project and that experience taught me was that photography isn't just a creative expression, that it can actually be a really powerful, powerful tool of witness and something that can hopefully help to affect change. I think even in this new digital age where we're bombarded with so much content every day, I think that photography can still offer something unique in that it really slows everything down. It can provide a different experience for the audience, for the viewer, than something in motion or in words. And I think that power of being present can transcend the image so that the person looking at it uh, can also stop and consider and reflect. And I think this is where photography and a photograph can be really potent in that it has the ability and the power to draw us in. But more importantly, it also has the ability to make us stop and think.
Thank you very much for your contribution this week, Ian. Once again, picking up on themes of evidence, of being in the moment, that idea of witness. We've heard that from a number of different photographers, but it's always good to hear it again, I think, because every time we hear the same kind of ideas being fleshed out, we're getting nuance to those ideas, but we're also getting an establishment of a foundation of an understanding of what photography really is all about. And as Bailey said at the beginning there, it isn't about complexity. It isn't about equipment. And I really feel this week we might even have a theme. Maybe that theme is keep it simple. It's difficult to get anything done in the photographic community when you're just a one-man band. I should know everything I do is on that basis. But sometimes I do feel that the photographic community is its own worst enemy. When it starts to pick on people who are doing good, but maybe don't fit with an agenda that other people feel is most important. The most difficult thing for me is when others try to put their agenda onto you that their agenda is the one that you should be dealing with. And when we're talking about photography, what we're really talking about, I think, is subjective opinions. The photograph in itself is an opinion, a subjective opinion on what we see and what we consider to be important and the stories we wish to tell. Therefore, To have someone else to place their agenda onto your storytelling is arrogant, perhaps. It's also very, uh, I suppose, it lacks the empathy that is required of somebody working within visual communication. That ability to accept that somebody else's story might not be your story but that it can be just as valid in its own way. Recently, I've seen a few attacks being made on people and agendas being pushed, which personally I feel are inappropriate. And I'm also aware that some of those attacks have been really upsetting for the people who have been attacked. I'm not defending those people, and I'm not saying that I'm sitting on any side of the fence. What I am saying is I think it's really important within the photographic community that agendas do not become more important than people. Surely the agenda should be about the people. We don't need a sledgehammer to crack a nut. Maybe what we could do is get a couple of nuts and rub them together. I know that works with nuts. Maybe it will work with photographers too. I've got a few events coming up over the coming months, two of which are with the Royal Photographic Society. I'll tell you about the second one in a future episode, but the first one I'm going to let you know about is a talk I'll be giving for the special interest group Contemporary Photography at the Royal Photographic Society. That's going to be an online talk. It's free to attend, and that's on Monday the 20th of June at 7pm UK time. And you can uh, register to join that on uh, at rp 
rps.org. That's www.rps.org. Look for Contemporary Special Interest Group and uh, or just put my name actually in their search bar and you'll find all the information and details there. Not really sure what I'm going to be talking about. They've asked me to talk about the book, uh, The Democratic Language of Photography, New Ways of Seeing the Democratic Language of Photography. And um, But I wrote that. So you tell, I just got the title the wrong way around. But I wrote that uh, a good few years ago now. It's actually published in 2018. So it's already, in my mind, quite out of date in some ways. And in other ways, I suppose, when I was talking about the future in that book, it's starting to become relevant. So I'm not sure what I'll be talking about on that one. The second talk I'll be uh, giving will be a more formal talk as part of a two-day seminar that the Royal Photographic Society are holding. And I think it's something to do with perhaps documentary photography in the 1960s and 70s. I'm not actually sure. But what I will be doing is delivering a paper concerning uh, Tony Ray Jones, Bill Jay, uh, and New York and a and, uh, a body of work that was believed to be lost for many years, uh, which I found. Also currently working on a chapter uh, for a book, which I believe is coming out in 2023, and that's dealing with photography and narrative. I understand there's 30 people around the world who've been asked to contribute chapters, so it's certainly going to be a, a pretty fulsome book. So that's all keeping me busy at the minute. As well as that, for those of you who listen to this podcast and are involved in academia, you'll be coming to the end of the academic year. And that means degree shows. And I'm really hoping this year that uh, degree shows start to become physical again, are held in specific spaces. I know that's certainly going to be the case at Oxford Brooks University. And on next episode, I'll give you some information about that in case you want to come along and see that show. You might want to bump into me at some point. If you really want to do that, I'm not sure. But anyway, uh, degree shows are something I think we'll probably be talking about as well in future episodes, as they are the future of the photographic medium. Uh, Just time this week to say that there's some new articles up on the United Nations uh, of photography.com website. Do check those out. One, uh, all the gear and no idea. One about pretty pictures. Another about if there is a future for commission photography or not. And another one uh, very much about the idea of it's important to make mistakes. And if anybody listens to this podcast, you'll know it's full of mistakes. It's done in one go. It isn't re-edited, as you could probably tell. And uh, I'm quite happy to include my uh, babbling, my mistakes and, and everything else, because I think it makes it feel more real. I hope you agree. Anyway, uh, I hope you've had a good Easter. hope you haven't eaten too much chocolate. Uh, and of course, if you've eaten too much chocolate or not, make sure that you take care. <laughs>